Stand together and give Jesus a big hand clap of praise this morning. Y'all look good this morning. Amen. Give yourselves a hand. How about that? A little one. A little one. We don't want to take nothing away from Jesus. Thank you for standing, y'all. Y'all may be seated. Where's Annabelle? Come on. Annabelle has a birthday today. How old are you, baby? Eleven. Oh, my Lord. Lord, 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 Benjamin, come on, baby. Amen. And Ben, on Tuesday, how old are you going to be, baby? How old are you going to be? Seven, yeah. All right, and Momo. And my beautiful wife yes. has a birthday on what, Thursday? Friday? Friday. Brother, it's Friday. And it's Sister Pearson, so she's forever 21. <laughs> 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 anybody else got a birthday this, this coming week that I'm missing? Don't let me miss anybody. All right. Don't let me find you out. Yeah. All right, sis. A happy birthday to you. A happy birthday. what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. Do not forget this coming Saturday at 2 o'clock. We're going to have our annual Christmas uh, party, uh, get together, fellowship. We're going to eat. Most important, we're going to eat. Uh, we're going to play a game or two. And I have been known to get excited when we play a game. So if that if that uh, floats your boat, you might be entertained uh, to come and do that. And who knows what else uh, we might do. We might do Christmas karaoke. You never know. Something like that. You never know. And, and just, it's casual, but wear a, wear a Christmas sweater or something. That's right. You know. Wear your ugly, crazy, or your, ugly or your or your pretty, pretty Christmas sweater. You know, Christmas whatever sweater. you got. Whatever you want. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. But that's Saturday at 2 o'clock. So be here or be square. Don't miss it. And if you can bring a dish, uh, meet with Sister Pearson after church so we can plan or plan that meal. Because, <clears throat> you know, I need something to eat. <laughs> and then on the following Sunday, the 17th, will be our annual uh, Christmas service at 12. And uh, I know everybody's working hard, uh, getting ready for that. So don't forget about that's coming up as well. Is that it?
no service on the 24th, the following Sunday, uh, Christmas Eve. So, All right, with that, we will dismiss for play practice. It's going to be a good day. Amen. I need something from the Lord today. I believe the Lord is here. I believe that He is He is among His people to do His will, to accomplish His will. So thankful for that. We got I got several scriptures. Um but uh we're gonna just kind of pick up where we left off on uh, the sanctification of sonship and uh, just kind of give us a little bit of a um, I guess a foundation here with this with this uh, message today I really realized that by starting in chapter 6 of Romans that um, you know I, I went back and thought man I could go here and go here and go here and, and ne next thing you know I'm in chapter 1 and I'm like well, how can we condense all this and, uh, and, and just focus on, on this one this one study here because you can we can get lost on, you know, just kind of going through the scripture that, and, and kind of miss the whole idea of what, what, what I believe the Lord is trying to bring out um, in this series here. Uh, so I'll just kind of generically say, you know, chapters 1 through 8, um, Paul, Paul begins explaining how, how the gospel uh, turns how the gospel turns it around for people. It's the turning point for people's lives. And there is a beautiful contrast between the limitations of our flesh to uphold the law in the old covenant and the power and dominion that is released into our life through the spirit of Christ in the new covenant. We see the limitations what man could not do in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. You can kind of see uh, how Israel was in and out of bondage. They, they had no power over that. And then you see Jesus walking the earth and correcting all of the things that the religious people thought they knew and understood about the Lord. 
And so we, we hear this a lot in Paul's writings, but we also see it throughout the Gospels when Jesus was ministering and, uh, and trying to correct everyone's theology and everyone's perspective through his, through his life. And so thankful for his, his pattern and his example that he left us to follow after. And that's kind of where we are in this study. We're talking about what Jesus, what he did as a man. Amen. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 tells us, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We know that the power of God that saves is more than believing he saves. Does that make sense? The gospel is more than just believing in the idea of salvation. It's actually experiencing the work of salvation in our life. John chapter 7 and 38 Jesus says, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What was he saying? Like, if you believe on me, there is something that's going to come out of your life. There is something that's going to flow through your life. I find it hard to believe that people who say they know know the Lord, but there is absolutely no flow in their life. It's like they just shut the valve off. He said, he that believeth on me as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, but this spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And in that one passage, there, there are so many things that we could extract from that. We know that what Jesus was talking about, he was, he was talking about the coming day where there would be this outpouring of, of the Spirit of God and that would fill mankind and flow out of mankind. And that's what he's saying. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. He hadn't, he hadn't walked to the hill where he would take his last breath and say, It is finished. And be buried in a tomb and three days later risen. So we could rise. And so when he, when he came out of that tomb, when he came out of that grave, there was power available for anyone who would want to come out of their grave and receive this, this same experience. Anybody happy that you met the Lord and received His Spirit? There is nothing like receiving the Holy Ghost. It's not just believing in the gospel, though. It's receiving the gospel through the new birth of water and spirit. This is where the flow of living water begins. This is the saving power of God. The saving power of God 
is the death, the burial, and the resurrection that all of us must experience to step into the newness of life. Paul establishes the gospel of Christ as the saving power of God. What the old covenant could not do, the gospel of Christ is able to do. Not just believing on the gospel of Christ, but actually receiving and letting the gospel of Christ transform our lives. I like the way the the New Living Translation reads this. The law of Moses, in Romans 8 and 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. The Lord took our place. He sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to do something for us as people. And I think what we fail to realize sometimes, and I've heard this, uh, you've you've heard me say this here recently, is that we know what God did through Jesus, but sometimes we don't understand how he did it through Jesus. In chapter 2, we, in Romans chapter 2, we see Paul addressing how the Jews knew the law, but they couldn't abide by it. They would judge the guilty, but they themselves would be guilty. The law couldn't make anyone perfect, The law couldn't fix the problem. It addressed the problem. It exposed the problem. And that's all it could do. But it gave no power, no dominion over the problem. Because the problem had dominion. Romans chapter 2 verse 21. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law dishonest, dishonorest thou God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written. For circumcision, or, or in this passage we could say this, uh, the Jewish ceremony of circumcision. Verily profiteth or is profitable if, if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. What you do, was he saying what you do is no different than what everyone else does. You can't put yourself in a category and and preach the law to somebody that you're not willing to, 
uh, abide by yourself or even have the power to do it. You expect others to be able to fulfill the law while you can't do it yourself. Verse 26, therefore, if the uncircumcision or Gentile, is what that refers to, uh, those who haven't gone through the Jewish ceremony of circumcision, if they keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law? I'm going to read that last passage to you in the New Living. In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law but don't obey it. What he's saying is there's coming a day where, when the Gentiles will, will rule over you. Over the ones, right? Over the ones who hadn't fulfilled the law. Why? Because they don't have the spirit. And that's what the, the whole purpose of sonship is. is So that we could step into a place that we could obey the law and actually live it. And not constantly repent over the things that they did in the Old Testament. In the Old Covenant, they, they, would, they would probably... And I don't, I don't mean to make, make light of this, but they would probably sin on their way to bringing a sacrifice for their sin. And then after they leave, they would sin on their way back to the house after surrendering their sacrifice for the sin that they committed before. Do you see how this can be? I mean, there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, of animals that were sacrificed because men couldn't keep from sinning. And the whole purpose of sonship is that people could step into that, into that place where the Lord has prepared for them to walk in the power and the authority over everything that caused man to fall in the beginning. And listen to what Paul said in verse 28. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. We could say that before Jesus, sin had dominion over the world, including you and I. And we can look out, we can look out from our homes and we can look out into the, into the world of the internet and we can see how, how sin has dominion over people. And they can't get away from it. They're in bondage. Addiction and, and all kinds of depression and all kinds of abuse of, uh, uh, of, of substances and all kinds of, of evil and anger and hatred and all of these things that are, uh, that are in our world. They have dominion over people, and people are even so deceived that they can say things like, I can stop any time. But the reality is, we can't. Because before the Lord, there's no power to stop. There's no power to quit. 
There's no power to be transformed, and that's why, that's why a man came. That's why there was a man that we're going to be singing about. Uh, just a, you know, a, a, a week or so, we're going to have Christmas, and we're going to be spending Christmas with our families, and we're going to be reading from the Bible about the, the birth of Jesus, and we're going to really consider uh, what happened when Jesus was born. What, what came to us is, is deliverance. What came to us was opportunity. What came to us was this restoration of dominion. Dominion is the key word here. Because Adam lost his dominion in the garden. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. What, what did he say? What did God say? I'm giving you, Adam, I am giving you the power. I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Adam, I am giving you absolute dominion on this planet. Adam and Eve were perfect, and, and that's hard for us to imagine because we only know of one man who was and one man who is perfect. The first Adam and the last Adam shared perfection until, until. Adam was perfect until, until he disobeyed. And this is where it all changed. And we could say it like this. I want you to really get a hold of this, what I'm getting ready to say. Adam, the first Adam, purchased death for all of us. Romans 5 and 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Is there one person on the planet, or has been on the planet, alive at any given point? Have, have they, uh, are they exempt from what this passage tells us all? So death passed upon all men. Why? Because of one man. Because of what Adam did. He purchased death for us. What a blessing, right? What a blessing. Adam traded life for death. He traded what was flawless for what was flawed. He traded what he had power over for what would have power over him. All because they gave place to the devil. 
that gave in to the temptations and the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life was released into the world that we know. And this is the struggle for every person on the planet. Death is coming for everyone unless. Death is coming at this point in this message. Death is coming for everyone. Every single man is under sin. Every single man is lost. Every single person on the planet, regardless of what they look like, regardless of how they how you perceive them, if they do not have Jesus, they have death. First John 2, 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, right? Here, here, these, these two passages here give us this, this description of the things that are in the world, right? They're currently here, and they're not going anywhere. They are in the world. They are uh, all around us, and some of them are trying to work through our lives, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. Well, how did they get into the world? Adam. Right? It all goes back to what Adam did. It all comes back to... That, that state of perfection where they walk with the Lord and they didn't need a tabernacle. They didn't need, they, they didn't need a special place set apart for God to come. He'd come walking in the cool of the day and, and fellowship with them and talk to them. It, it was perfection. It was a perfect place until Adam changed it all. Adam traded paradise for a prison cell. And you know what? He made sure there were enough cells for every man. This is why the last Adam came. You'll see Paul writing and talking about this. This is why the last Adam came. The author and the finisher of our faith didn't need to rewrite the script because one man messed it all up. He knew that man would do it. And that's why the beginning and the end was finished before he ever said, let there be light. The plan and the purpose was already settled. It was already finished before he spoke one creative word. The plan was already in his mind. So every prophecy that comes to pass through every generation and dispensation is the fulfillment of what has already been written in the mind of God. And when the word was made flesh, it was the mind, the will, and the plan of God being released into the world through the submitted footsteps of one man. 
That's why we ought to come here and thank the Lord for everything that he did. Because every footstep towards his purpose, every footstep towards his death was for you and I to walk in that same victorious path and face everything that he faced and still have his eyes fixed on the joy beyond the cross. For you, the joy beyond the cross is freedom. It's liberty. It's not letting the things get to you and pull you away and pull you out and drag you down. The joy beyond the cross is that uh, there is restoration. There is reconciliation. And there is freedom to walk in the Spirit. Become a son. Become a son. Listen to this. He is the last Adam because no other Adam, no other son of God will be able to break what he fixed. You know what that means? The church will go on with or without us. The church will retain its victory with or without us because it has nothing to do with us anymore. The dominion has returned to the Son of God. The dominion has returned to the last Adam. And if we step into that place uh, where we can be buried together with the last Adam, we can step into that dominion because it's His. He'll never lose it. It'll never be lost again. It's forever settled and the church will always be victorious. If I'm not victorious, it's because I'm not, I'm not wearing that garment, that identity of the last Adam. I'm not walking in the footsteps of the Savior. If I walk in His footsteps and I deny myself and I take up my cross and follow Him, I'm guaranteed victory. Why? Because He possesses victory. It's who He is. I, if, if I'm experiencing a defeat in my life, i got to come back to the altar and say, Lord, I'm returning that my footsteps may be aligned with the footsteps you left behind. People can come and go, but the church still has dominion. And if I choose, listen, if I choose not to walk with the Lord, and I would, this is hypothetical, because I don't want to go anywhere. That's why I'm here. I don't want to go anywhere. That's why I come to church. That's why I pray. That's why I read the Bible. I'm committed. I'm committed. But listen, hypothetically, if I were to walk away, uh, there would be somebody that would step into this place here and carry on what I forfeited. Why? Because the church is going to keep moving forward with or without us. Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Now, these are all things that we have already covered briefly about, about the first Adam and the last Adam, right? These references of by one and by one are what the last Adam and what the first, what the first Adam and what the last Adam. Does that make sense? Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Verse 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now, grace is there not to say, oh, you know what? I don't expect anything from you. Grace is there when I am doing my best. Listen, I'm doing my best to live for God. And you know, sometimes this flesh will, 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 uh, will bring something, something will come out of it that will cause me to fall. And when it causes me to fall, I can, I can, I can get back up by the grace of God and learn what it was that caused me to fall. That's why grace is there, is to help us get back up, acknowledge what it was that caused us to fall, and learn how to live above it. Well, then there are people that say, well, I can't do it. And that's why, that's, you know, there's a doctrine out there that of, of irresistible grace that no matter what, I, I just, I have to accept his grace no matter what. He, he knows that I'm flawed and he doesn't expect me to do anything because he knows I can't. And that's, that's, a, that's a doctrine of devils. Because the scripture tells us that we can through his spirit. We can be victorious through his spirit. And the, and the reality is, is, I don't have to take the grace that teaches me. I can resist it. We all can resist grace. We can refuse to see what caused us to fall and just say, I don't want it. It's much easier to make excuses than it is to, to figure out what it was and to, and to work to try to accomplish. There will not be one excuse that the Lord says, well, I'll let you off the hook. I believe the Lord is perfecting his people, his church. Verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. How is grace going to reign through righteousness? Uh, it's it's going to happen through, through Jesus. Everything... Everything that we have, we have to look at everything in this New Testament as done through Christ. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. I can face whatever hardship I can face. I can walk through feast or famine and do anything uh, and, and, and be sustained by the, by the strength of Christ. I can do all things through Christ. What does that mean? I can live above sin through Christ. I can walk victoriously where? Through Christ. 
Not through you. Not, not, not me. I can do things through Christ that I can't do by myself without him. Be- why? Because he turned it. He turned it all around. He turned it. How? How did he do that? He did that through his death, burial, and resurrection. And the good news is nobody can turn it back. Nobody can undo it. Nobody can change it. And when he said it is finished, what he said is it is finished. It can't be undone. This door cannot be blocked. It's open to those who want to come in. Whosoever will, whosoever will, let them come and take of the water of life freely. Oh, oh, does that mean all that some are predestined? No, no, that's wrong, right? Because why, why would we, why would he only have a select few that are going to make it and say the door is open for all? Or why, why, why would he say that, uh, um, that he doesn't want any to perish, but that all would come to repentance. Was he saying every person on the planet has an opportunity to repent? They're not too far gone. And I can stand before you and declare that because I thought in my life I was too far gone. And Brother Thomas, I know you probably thought the same thing. And I know there's several of you in here that thought, Brother Brian, I I know you probably thought I've gone too far this time. There's no way I'm going to be able to come back. Oh, but you know what? Here we are today and we can experience the grace and the mercy of God. Why? Because He is faithful. And as long as you got breath and as long as you can understand, I can come running home to the Father and He's going to be waiting for you to pull you in not so you can make excuses over your life for the next 10 15 20 years no but that you could get a hold of the father and the father can get a hold of you and you can walk victoriously live live in the newness of life one man one man led us into debt and one man paid it One man broke it all. One man fixed it all. If it wasn't for the man, Christ Jesus, none of us would be here. If it wasn't for the man. And that's what they're acknowledging. Whenever you see, the, whenever you see that, that language in the New Testament between, between the Father and the Son, it's what, it's what the, the man Christ Jesus did. Because no son, no sonship. No son, no reconciler. Because here it is. He is the one that connects heaven and earth. The man. The man. The man. The the perfect man, the Son of God, connects heaven to earth. Think about this. In Genesis 28, Jacob saw a ladder in his dream. And that ladder connected heaven to earth. And the Lord, the scripture said, the Lord stood above the ladder. 
And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and on the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God descending, uh, ascending and descending on it. And behold, who stood above it? The Spirit of God, right? The Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed. Now, pay attention here. And thy seed. Everybody say seed. That's just one, isn't it? Wouldn't you agree? And to thy seed. One seed. Shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee, and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. It is in these passages that we see that there is one seed who will bless every family on earth with an opportunity to possess the promised blessing. Think about that. Let that sink in. One seed and the promised blessing will be released through that one seed. And in John chapter 1, we see this promise coming to pass. John chapter 1 and 43. The day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him. What does that mean? We have found who we've been waiting for. We have found who we have been hoping for. We have found the seed. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see for yourself. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith, and Behold, an Israelite, and indeed, indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. I saw thee. I saw you. I saw you. When you didn't see me, I saw you. When you couldn't see him, he saw you. He saw you before he called you. Verse 50, Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? 
you ain't seen nothing yet. Oh, I love that response. Thou shalt see greater things than these. You haven't seen nothing yet, Nathaniel. Your, your mind is going to be blown. You're going to see God do tremendous things. You're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders. You're going you're to watch this, this, uh, this message reach into the hearts of people and transform their lives. And they're gonna, you're going to see hope well up within people's eyes and in their countenance. You're going to see joy. You're going to see the power of God pushing back the darkness. And it's all going to happen here. That's what Jesus was saying. Verse 51. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see Heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Listen, there's so much happening in this passage, but Jesus, what, is, what was he saying? Jesus was saying, I am the gateway. He said, I am the door. But what he was saying is, I'm also the ladder. I am the ladder that connects heaven and earth. And there is no way to get to heaven without climbing the ladder. But you got to walk through the door like everyone else. If I'm going to make it to heaven, right? We got to go through the door. We got to make sure we're walking into the gateway. There's no other way. There's no other way around. You can find 25 different churches in this city that will tell you different ways of how to walk through the gate. But the Bible tells us there's only one way through the door. So would you rather listen to man? Or would you rather look into the pages that have been, that have been forever settled? They've been etched uh, with, with eternal penmanship. And, and there's no other way to get around Get around it. There is one way and only one way. And that's through Jesus. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between, right? Between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Who I couldn't get here. I couldn't get you. We couldn't get here without the mediator. We couldn't get here without the man. There would still be this chasm between us that would not allow us to cross over. But the man became the bridge and the ladder to get to God. So there's one God and one meteor, one go between, one reconciler, one. Ladder between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, verse 6, who gave himself a ransom, a redemption price for all to be testified in due time. If the Lord is at the top of the ladder and the Son is at the bottom of the ladder, we can see the need for the ladder. But without a man, there is no mediator. And without a mediator, there is no ladder. 
It's through the gospel of Jesus Christ that man has access to the ladder and we can walk through the door and gain access to what touches heaven. And we can sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I believe there are times, there are moments in our services where we are engaged in worship and we are truly, we are truly engaged in the presence of God. And it's like that gateway. We're standing inside of that gateway and we begin to be elevated in the spirit and we we begin to feel like we're sitting in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Listen, there's something special about knowing what we have access to and that's why we come here. Why? Because I know if I can get to the house, if I can get into the presence of the Lord, the gateway is going to open for me and I can step into it and everything else will have to get out. Everything else will have to fade away. If you can get into the presence of the Lord, if you can step through that gateway, everything that you struggle with throughout the day and throughout the week will be forced to step outside because the gateway is reserved. So what was Paul writing? Paul was saying, this has to be done through faith, not the law. You can't get there just by knowing God, knowing about God. You can't get there by just reading. You know, I've heard heard people say things like, well, I've I've read the Bible cover to cover and nothing happened. No gateway appeared for me and no door opened for me. You know, and I believe somebody can waste their time reading it cover to cover if if they're skeptical. If they're trying to disprove it, reading it to try to disprove it. Reading it, try to find loopholes, trying to find things that don't make sense. Trying to find things that seem to be contradictory. And then, you know, those are the people that become argumentative when you're talking to them. And they'll they'll try to pull out things just to to stir up the the argument. And we got to be sensitive and understand that the Lord doesn't want us to get entangled with those conversations. Because those people will bring frustration. And they'll cause people to to act out in their flesh and and to be aggressive. And the Lord never, he's not calling us to be aggressive with people because it's not people. It's the, it's the spirit's. It's the oppressive, it's the demonic influences that are confusing people and bringing, bringing a cloud of darkness over. And, and if they can't see it, you're not going to help them through arguments. I, I avoid, listen, I avoid conversations where people are trying to pull out, well, what about this and what about that and what about, you know, and it's like, I don't, I don't really have time for that. You know, because you don't really want to know God. You're trying to, you're trying to, People are trying to uh, prove what they believe. And, you know, there's no time for that. Because we've got to walk by faith. We've got to walk by faith. We're not going to have all the pieces. It's not like a puzzle that, that... I'll tell you what it's like. It's like a puzzle that you've lost several pieces. And they're probably lodged underneath the couch or in the couch cushions. And you go to complete the puzzle and you're like, I can't complete the puzzle. I don't have all the pieces. But the truth is, is we can, we can walk with the Lord and, and step into eternity one day having missing pieces. 
and our theology and our understanding because we don't have to understand it all. And we'd be wise to say, you know what? I don't know. I can't give you an answer. But I know the answer. And I don't need to know all the other things that are too, too hard for me to... You know, people will say, well, was, it, was, the, was, the, was the earth created in seven business days? I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there. You know, and nobody was there except for Adam. And he was, you know, we can't, we can't, we can't interview him, right? And we don't need to know all that stuff. We just need to know who did it. It makes a lot more sense than billions of years gone by and one thing leading to another and now here we are. Makes a lot more sense than that, doesn't it? But see, this is what happens when you go off on tangents. <laughs> Back to our study here for the next just couple minutes. <laughs> the law shows us the chasm that is between us and God, but faith, faith reveals the door. It's like, you know, I, I, I was picturing this this morning. Like, you know, it's like the secret door that if you, if you knock on the right place, the door reveals and you can go. Well, that's what he said, isn't it? Knock. Knock and it shall be opened. I don't know where the door is, but I'm just going to knock. I know, it's, I know it's somewhere here. I'm going to knock until the door opens. Ah, that's it. This is the door. Let's stand. I hope there's somebody here today that will knock until the door opens. There's a door here. It's just waiting for you to start knocking. You going to knock today, Lord? I'm going to bombard this wall until the door opens. Until I can stand in your presence today. And that's, that's what we have in our hands. We can say, Lord, this is, what I'm, this is what I need you to do in my life. And I'm willing to give everything that I have today to get into that door. I'm going to knock until there's a visitation. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push, push beyond uh, the confusion and the, 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 the cares of life. And I'm going to knock on this door until it's open to me. Amen. Take a few minutes, greet your brother and your sister, and let's come back in and worship the Lord. Amen.
right. You, everybody ready to worship the Lord? Hey, Amen. Why don't we... Uh, why don't we just give Him our very best today? And uh, before we get started, if you want to present your offering to the Lord, or at least while we're starting, you can do that as well. We're just going to, let's let's just have a good time in the presence of the Lord for a little while. How about that? I mean, let's worship the Lord. Let's lift up our hands to Him. Thank you, Jesus. God, we worship you. We exalt your name today. Yours is a name above every other name, Jesus. God, we lift up your holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. When I think about what the Lord has done, when I think about where he's brought me from, when I think about all he's given me, when I think about the many, many victory. When I think about the 
come to do <laughs> tear down strongholds bind the devil Jesus name oh hey today we got a right today you got a right to shake the foundation with praise oh this is what I come to do today is to lift up the one who has the victory. Oh, yes, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes, oh, yes. 
Listen, it's more than a song. It's a reality that we can live in, we can walk in. Hallelujah. Hey, Paul said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but, but he did say that they were mighty. <laughs> they were mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And we can come in here today and not feel guilty about coming to tear down strongholds because it's part of who we are. It's a part of worship. It's a part of what God has called us to do. He's called us to be the agents of change who will, with their praise and worship, would begin to tear down the strongholds. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. We're going to give you an opportunity if you like. Would you like to come up here and be prayed for, for whatever need you have in your life? And we'll pray for you and believe the Lord to touch your body, to touch your life.
say this again. This verse says, I fell today. It wasn't the first time. And it might not be the last. But I'll get up.
praise you. Made up my mind. From the evening through the morning, I will praise you. When I rise, Lord. And when I rise, and when I fall, I will praise you through it all. And I will sing a love song.
love song to my King. Ah, if you just close your eyes with me right now and begin to think about why don't you just consider what the Lord has done for you in your life he has been so good in my life he has been so good and so the song that I sing to him it's a love song to him about what he means to me I love you, Lord. (laughs) I love you, Lord. Because in my surrender to make you Lord over my life, you have filled it with everything that's good. I received your goodness because I surrendered to you and let you be Lord over my life. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And I want my song to be sweet to you. I want my song to be filled with gratitude. I want my praise to be filled with thanksgiving. Oh, because I recognize that I wouldn't make it without you. I can't make it without you, Jesus. I can't make it without you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So I give you my praise. I give you my praise, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I wanna I wanna share something real quick. I'm gonna look at something here Acts chapter 17 verse 22 Paul addresses the the men at Athens he said then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said ye men of Athens I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with man's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood and all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Now why don't you 
put your Bibles down and close your eyes and, and begin to thank the Lord that in Him we live and move. In Him we have our being. In Him we have confidence. In Him we have trust. In Him we have joy. In Him we have strength. Oh, and He is not very far from any of us. Just the mention of His name will bring His presence into your situation here today. Just the mention of His name. Because He is constant in every season. He is steadfast. He is. There is no shadow of turning in Him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He has me. Why don't you thank Him for for what you know about Him that He has you. He has you. He hasn't forgotten about you. You're not misplaced. Uh, You're right where you need to be. Uh, uh, Listening for the sound of His voice and waiting for the arrival of His Spirit. uh, Oh, to move into your situation. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Y'all may be seated. I just want to just take a few moments and talk about this, this idea That it's in Him, it's in Him that we live and move and have our being. So what can we take from this is is if I don't have Him, if I don't have Him, then I'm not His offspring. Paul wrote that in Romans 8, they that... They have not the spirit of Christ. They are none of his. So I have confidence that if I have his spirit, listen, he's not going to withdraw it from me. He's not going to take it from me. If he, get, if he gave it to me, he'll stay there as long as I, as long as I want him to stay there. As long as I, I know that I can't make it without him. As long as I know that it's in him that I live and move. That I can't move without Him. I can't move without Him. None of us can move without Him. We're here today because we've, we've learned how empty our life was without the Lord in it. And, and I know that sometimes people wake up and they think, you know what? I need to go to church. There's something missing in my life. There's something that I really need. Uh, you know what you need? You need to live and, and move and breathe in Jesus. He needs to be the one that upholds you. And as scripture tells us that he upholds all things by the word of his power First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57 says but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus because listen if I live and move in him I've got victory in him we used to sing the song back in the day victory is mine I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory today is mine. Is that your song today? Is it, still, is it still in your heart? Is it still in your thoughts? Victory is mine. I know who I am because I know in who I move. I know who's alive in me. Victory is mine. He always he gives us the victory 
Now listen, we, we're talking about sonship and how we, uh, um, this isn't really the, the, the part of this Sunday school message. This is something that just kind of goes right along with it. It's interesting how the Bible works that way. He gives us the victory, and the victory is through Jesus. It's through the Son. And the Son was victorious, and so I can walk with victory. As long as I'm in the right, in the right footsteps. Because right, if Paul I mean, wrote it in Acts, Acts 17, Luke was saying, For in Him we live and move, which means in Christ, in Christ I have everything that I need. I can live, I can move in Him. And I can have the victory. I can gain the victory. What, what, I, what was when I was a victim, or when I was defeated, I, I didn't know where to turn and where to look. And there's so many self-help books and so many, so many new revelations about how you can fix your problems and how you can make a, how you can make sense out of the madness, out of the mess. But the reality is, is before Jesus ever stepped foot on this earth. Uh, uh, none of us could do anything for ourselves. We could not add one cubit to our stature. We couldn't do anything. If it had not been for the man, Christ Jesus, who stood in our place, we would not be able to get through heaven's gateway and, and look at the ladder that reaches up to heaven. It's because of Jesus that we're here today. It's because of Jesus that I'm no longer an addict. I've been buried in the name of Jesus, and I got a new identity. And listen, I hear, I'm here to tell you, if you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus, oh, you got to get buried in the name uh, if you want to put on Christ. Uh, there's only one name. Uh, oh, under heaven and earth, uh, the name of Jesus. When we're buried in his name, we're united in his death. And if we can get united in his death, we'll also be united in his resurrection. For in him we live. Mankind didn't know real life before Christ. They could see the glory from a distance. They could see the cloud descend and meet in the tabernacle to speak with Moses. But they themselves couldn't be part of it. But today, because of Jesus... He's made an open invitation for whosoever will. They can step into that place and experience what men of old could never experience. We get to get into his presence and feel the moving of his spirit. And it's because we move in him. It's because we have, we have the spirit of God ordering our steps. He's leading and guiding. He knows what you need. He, he knows what I need. He, he, he knew what you need this morning when you woke up in your body, in your life, in your mind, in your family. He knows what you need on your job and what you face. He sees everything. He sees you. And what he does is he ministers to every one of us through his word. He's anointed the path of preaching to reach. To reach into your life and first Corinthians 
Chapter 2, verse 4, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And Paul, how, how can Paul preach uh, with the Spirit and power if he's not moving and living in it? Oh, if we can walk in it, if I can just spend time with the Lord in my life, uh, talking to Him and getting to know His voice and hear how He responds to me and, and, and know that I have an I always got an avenue open, a channel that's always open to me to communicate with God. And if I can communicate with the Lord, I can learn how to live and move in Jesus. But I got to make sure that I get in. I get in and stay in. Finally, my brethren... Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I live and move in Jesus. And because of that, I've got His strength. I've got His power. The power of His might. Not my might. His might. And it was so, it was so powerful. Uh, I heard... A clip, and I believe my wife shared it on Facebook, and I know many of you might have seen this, uh, so forgive me for repeating it, but it is so good, so powerful. Landon Gore was saying uh, at one point in his message, he said, I don't come to church because I'm spiritual. And I say, that's right. He said, I come to church because I'm carnal. He said, I don't pray because I'm spiritual. I pray because I'm carnal. I, I don't fast because I'm spiritual. I fast because I know if I don't do these things, then I will get cold and I will get weak and I will become carnal and I will walk in the, the ways of my old nature. So that's why I come to church. I come to church to worship so I don't go back to what I used to be. Because I tell you what, if we, let the, if we let our guard down and we take the armor off, it's only a matter of time before you're walking out of the door. You're confused and disgruntled and offended about something but if I can somehow stay in the house of the Lord and worship my way through everything that I face I know that in Him I live and in Him I move and have my being and I am His the power of His might I need this you need this we need the house of God. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What is Paul saying? You can't stand without it. So if I'm going to live and move in Jesus, I'm going to have to make sure I've got the armor on. Right? You may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual wickedness in high places. I was reading some more of that book, 12's, Hell's Twelve Apostles. 
And I, I got a little bit more, I could see a little bit more clarity from what Brother, Brother White was saying when he was talking about the spirit of infirmity. He was talking about uh, uh, recognizing the spiritual attack. And, and what he said is, you, you know, you can recognize it when, when, whenever there is um, uh, an attack, it, it's always at the time when it's time to go to church. When, whenever, he said he would recognize this pattern in some of his people. It's like they, he'd see him, he said he would see him all week doing other things. But when church time came around, they were sick. They had something going on in their body. They just couldn't make it. And so he said it's a demonic attack, a demonic attack whenever it affects your walk with God. If there's a sickness or some kind of illness or some kind of thing that keeps you out of the church, uh, you're oppressed. There's oppression there. Uh, that's why we got to do our best to get into the house of God. Because this is what he said. Because you might not know if that's the service that will bring deliverance in your life. And, and if you don't make it because you got because you got something going on, then you're missing the opportunity. And the, and the enemy knows if he can keep you from getting into the house of the Lord, he can keep you from deliverance. He can keep you from, from getting your, your miracle, your healing. We're not, we're not fighting dumb devils. They're strategic. We're going to keep you out of the house. We don't want you to hear the preached word because there's something that happens when the preached word goes forth. It's that two-edged sword that, that severs. It, it meets at the joints and the marrow. Oh, it's a, it meets where the heart and the soul come together. And it, a, a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And you can get that until you get into the house of God. I know, I know that m many of you don't see, don't see what I see, don't see what my wife sees. When we see absences and we see people who, who can't make it for various reasons, and not you know some some of those reasons are 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 valid. And I'm not trying to discount what happens in our life. And you know sometimes we just we're just sick. But listen, there are patterns. If there is a pattern of missing church. And it's affecting my walk with God and I'm feeling hopeless and I'm feeling discouraged and I'm feeling like I can't make it and I feel like I'm struggling. Listen, there is a demonic oppression over your life and until you shake it off at an altar in the house of the Lord where the Spirit of the Lord brings liberty, you'll stay in the pattern of oppression. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take in the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Listen, if he can keep you from putting on the armor on, he can keep you from dodging and blocking the darts that come 
come to you. The darts of discouragement and depression, the darts of anxiety, the darts of fear, they come, they lodge into our spirit and cause us to make excuses about coming into the presence of God and we can't recognize it. If he's constant in every season of my life, I've got to come to him. I got to drop it all. And I got to do my best to make it to the house of the Lord. I don't know how many times in my life that I just felt I didn't feel like coming. But you know what? We get up, we get dressed, and we come to church. It's what we do because it's who we meet when we get here. trying to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Anybody trying to quench the fiery darts of the enemy? Are you tired of patterns? Maybe you've got patterns in your life where you're, you find yourself struggling more than you're gaining ground. Uh, Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And this is it right here, 18. Because we cannot wear the whole armor of God. And we cannot fight against hell. We cannot fight against our flesh. We can't fight against the strategic moves of the enemy to devour, to destroy, to, to rid our life of faith. We cannot fight against it unless we're praying. Praying always with all prayer and supplication where? In the Spirit. Which means, how do we put on the whole armor of God? we got to make sure we, we're striving to get into the Spirit. We're striving to walk in the Spirit. We're not, we're not trying to live our life in our flesh. I'm not trying to live my life in my ability. I've got to wake up and realize there is a path to walk. There are footsteps that I must walk behind. And it's being led by the Spirit of God. And if I can listen to that still small voice when I wake up and it says, avoid this place. Go here, do that. If I can talk to the Lord, I can make sure that when those fiery darts come, I'm already, I'm already positioned to block it. He knows where they're coming from and the direction that we're coming from, they're coming from, but we don't know. And that's why we got to get it in the Spirit because if we're being led by the Spirit, oh, that shield will be up at the right time. That helmet will be in the right position. That sword will be swinging at the right time. Why? Because we've got the whole armor of God and it's in Him. That we're living. It's in Him that we're moving. In the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let's stand. If we can't live in the Spirit... If we can't walk in the Spirit, if we can't move with Jesus, we're going to make bad decisions. We're going to miss. We're going to miss things. 
We're not, we're not going to be able to see, see demonic activity. Listen, the only reason that we, and this kind of goes back to, to the sonship, the only reason that we can, we can have discernment and we can walk, we can walk in, in, in the dimension of faith and, 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 have, and have power and confidence in the Lord is because of what Jesus did for us. He gave us his example. And when we're united in his death, we're, we're united in his resurrection. And if I can walk in the newness of life, I, I can walk the way that he walked the earth and be victorious the way that he was victorious. And the fiery darts did not affect him. They came to him. They tried to shoot him down. They tried to put wounds in him. Uh, but he fought against every one of them. And he was victorious. And because of his victory, I can have the victory. I want to give somebody in here a moment to come to this altar and regain the victory in your life. If you have felt defeated in the last week, in the last few hours, whatever it is, this altar is open for you to come and regain the victory because the Lord hasn't left you. You just got to make sure that you're walking in His footsteps, that you're moving in Him.
Lord, we thank you for victory. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for giving us your victory. Thank you, Jesus. Over every situation. so thankful for the Lord. I'm so thankful that He has pulled me out. Pulled me out of darkness. He has given me something worth living. And I, I'm not I'm not the least bit upset that I am consumed by it. He's in my thoughts. When the enemy comes into my life and tries to take me back down through my memories of what I've done, the accuser of the brethren, when he shows up, I shift my focus on the Lord. And I say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for changing my name and giving me a new identity. Ah, thank you, Jesus. When the enemy shows up at your doorstep and tries to remind you of who you used to be. You need to let him know that that's past tense. My present is different. And my future is going to be different because I'm going to strive to live in Him. And move in Him. And let Him determine who I am. We are new through Christ. And every day ought to be a celebration of what He's done for us. Even in the midst of the struggle. I know that I can struggle and still move in Him because He's teaching me, He's showing me, He's helping me. And I can make it. I can do all things. I can do all things through Him. Amen. I appreciate what's, what God is doing in this church through your families. And I know, that, I know that God's doing great things in you. And um, you just have to show up and let Him do it. Let him help you. Don't sit at home and let the enemy beat you up. Listen, if, you, if you're struggling in your walk, don't sit at home. The enemy will devour you. you. You bring your bad attitude to the altar and cry out for help. You bring your problems to the altar and cry out for help. Don't sit at home and let your mind be filled with 
weighed down with all of your mistakes because you sit at home and you're going to have a you're going to have a stack of condemnation on your shoulders. The enemy is going to visit you, try to keep you there. What I believe he wants to do more than anything is just keep God's people at home. He's called you out of darkness, but we're just going to we're just going to shift this and we just want you to sit at the house and and wallow in your in your struggle not gain any victory but if we can just make it up I'm going to the house of God and I'm going to get victory whatever I, whatever it is that I face you need to repeat the announcements again or? this Saturday is our church Christmas party at 2 o'clock if you are able to help bring food then as soon as we're dismissed I want you to meet me up here so we can talk about that um, and then our Christmas program will be on December the 17th. There will be one service that Sunday at noon. And then there will be no service on Sunday, December 25th, Christmas Eve. Bless you all. Uh, shake hands, be friendly. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. And then we will see you for Tuesday night prayer. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.